I'm Jamie Baker. I'm Sarah Matthews. And this is Nurse Coffee Talk. Nailed it. Nailed it. it. Uh, How are you, Sarah? Oh, I'm just fine and dandy. How are you? I'm so good. You're coming off a night shift. I'm coming off a day shift. Yeah. I've already slept, so I'm really getting ready to go do another night shift. Well, yes, that's true, I suppose. (laughs) But are you always kind of coming off a night shift, even if you have slept? I mean... Such is the life of a night shifter. <laughs> it's always, you're always in a perpetual state of either preparing for or recovering from. That's so true. And we've talked about that numerous times. Yeah. And more and more, I feel like, oh my God, I think I, oh my God, guys, dare I say it? I think I went off night shift. I was literally just talking to somebody. They said, how is your podcast partner managing on night still? Like, isn't she so tired? And I was like, she is, but there's a lot of reasons. Yeah. You know, all the reasons, whatever. But I'm telling you, I said this last episode, I thought I would be a never ever. And here I am. And it's great. No, I know 100%. I'm not going to be a never ever only because it's getting harder and harder to exist in life. Like, well, and I said never ever when I was 22. Yeah, exactly. It's not not as easy. It's not. But right now with my kids and stuff, it's just, it's not just with my kids. It's with the amount of overtime I work. Yeah. You work so many days in a row. Yeah. Yeah. So to like work a day shift, I would just never see my kids. I would miss all of their activities and everything. So for now, night shift is a lot better. But I mean, eventually the goal is to like maybe get out of the, you know, I mean, I want to go to law school. So, you know, that would change the whole course anyway. Yeah. But right now it's great working night shift because I can do some studying um, on my shifts at night. So can you imagine how different it will be when you go to law school and then if you start doing nurse consulting and work from home? That's well, that's that's kind of the goal is that, that I want to push be forward and such a different life. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. I can't even imagine. That's kind of what I'm pushing for. So so we'll see. Well, I went to the beach on Saturday and Mm -hmm. it's like a pretty popular like place where people in the city have their summer homes. Mm -hmm. And obviously I'm in I don't own a home. I'm in no position to certainly own a second home. It's not even a thing. But I was like, man, if I worked exclusively from home, I would just come down and spend the entire summer down here. It's so much cooler than being in the Absolutely. city. Absolutely. And I know plenty of people who have homes down there, well, or at least, you know, their families or whatever. And yeah. so many people are working from home, and I've asked people that, and they're like, no, we just go down, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, why? I don't know no. why you wouldn't. Honestly, I, I don't know if we talked about this on podcast before, but yeah, I think we did, is that there's no such thing as a radiologist nurse practitioner, mm-hmm. but I feel like there should be because, I, I mean, let's be honest. I feel like if you have a medical background, you can learn how to read radiology Correct. images. You right? do not need to be an MD to do that. That's stupid. Exactly. Exactly. We haven't talked about that, but actually that's a good point. I've never thought about that. But you wait forever to get the radiologist read on stuff. Like, why can't mm-hmm. an NP do that? A, a trained NP. Correct. Yeah. No, I mean, anyone. You know, I'm not going to send an oncology NP into heart failure and be like, go ahead. It's all the same. We know a nurse yeah, is exactly. not a nurse. It's not a nurse. But that would be the dream. Like, radiology, nurse practitioner, all you do is just read radiological images and you can do that from anywhere. <laughs> Literally anywhere. So you could be traveling the world and still be working. That's the dream. I mean, well, the dream well, would the be dream to travel is to the not world, work. not have to yeah. work. The dream is to be rich <laughs> If you had to, to work, work, but still wanted to travel the world, that would be the way to go. I saw some Reddit post that was like, it was like seeking out relationship advice. And it was like, mm-hmm. I'm 27. My husband's 28. 
we inherited a huge amount of money. He wants us both to retire so that we can go do whatever, you know, he wants to do or whatever. But I'm a teacher and I don't want to retire. I love my job. He is insistent. Like, what do you think I should say to him? Like, what do I do or whatever? And I'm like, you know, they, that is the thing that people say. It's like, oh, when you win the lottery, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Oh, at first I would quit my job and then I would do this and then I'd do that. But also you need some kind of guidance in your life. For me, that that's an interesting question because I, first of all, I always said, have you seen the movie Office Space? Yes. What would you do if you had a million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. And that was always the question. And I always said, if I, well, a million isn't enough anymore, but if no. you had unlimited amount of resources mm-hmm. financially, what would you do with your life? And I always, first and foremost, said I would be a forever student. I would just go to school yes. all the time. That's a great example. Just go and get a billion degrees and just learn all everything. You yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And who cares about the actual degree? I would just go learn yeah. about everything. I would, I would be like able to speak fluently in seven languages, you know, like <laughs> yeah. that I would love that. But as far as work goes, I may quit my job, but I would still be actively involved in some sort of volunteer work or, you know, community efforts and things like that. So I might not do a physical job where I receive a paycheck per se, but I would still be working in the capacity that I can from like a volunteer perspective to help community organizations. I agree because we've seen what happens even with COVID with people working, but at home slash some people genuinely not working. People are going bonkers. Like no, yeah. no one can answer that question honestly anymore and say that they would just never work again. That's, that's not a thing. I think the first thing you have to do is define what work is. I mean, to this, to that particular lady, you know, the saying goes, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Right. And she loves what she does. So she doesn't feel right. like it's work. She feels like it, it's... She doesn't feel like it's work. I mean, work. I'm sure it's, it does feel like work at times, but she loves it. But it's, she it's loves what it. what she's passionate about. And like... Absolutely. Now, would I go continue to be in this role? No. Would I work right, in exactly. a hospital? No. But would I like to do nonprofit work and not worry about the paycheck of doing nonprofit work? Yeah, I would love to do Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. do more than just, you know, v- be able to volunteer and do the- care about the things that I'm, I'm passionate about in a different way, but not mm-hmm. have to worry about the fact that you basically have to be like near poverty to do it. Right. I know. Isn't that so sad? It is sad. I will say the job that I'm doing right now, it's a job. And most days I really like what I do, but I don't feel personally fulfilled by it. Do you think a good point of reference, all things being possible, which for a lot of us, that's true, should be that you like your job enough that if you won the lottery tomorrow, you wouldn't want to quit it? I think that would be a utopian view of what it should be. Yes. At at the very least, a job that inspires more passion. And I think part of it comes from like how you're driven as a person. Have you ever watched Chef's Chef's Table on Netflix? Mm -mm. It's incredible. Highly recommend. It is a documentary series where every episode features a different chef Mm -hmm. of all different types from all around the world. There's a nun that lives in like I can't, some, one of the Asian countries, I'm so sorry, I can't remember which one. There's a baker in Brooklyn. There's a New Yorker who moved to Tokyo and opened a ramen shop. There's, you know, I mean, Russia, France, like there is every single one's a different focus. Mm -hmm. But the one consistency, and it's also an incredibly well done show, and they do like a little bit of their history, how they became famous, what are they doing now, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of interviewing with them. Mm -hmm. But the passion that drives them to work so hard is unbelievable. Yeah. And I have passion about nursing, but I don't have passion like that to work tirelessly every single moment of every single day towards a goal like I am not I'm not pushed like that I I prefer balance but Mm -hmm. for them it is just the only thing that they care about it's just unreal and every time I watch it I'm like what is this like this is so different well yeah and I think you know we talk about Maslow all the time right yeah I think it depends where you're at on that pyramid because If you can get to the top of the pyramid, which is self-actualization, I think that is where you're doing something that just absolutely fulfills you and drives you 
and you wake up wanting to be better for this and at this. And I think that is where everybody should be. Well, that's I just clearly agree. not a reality because because here's the thing, you know, like Office Space, the movie says that million dollar question is bullshit because if everybody had a million dollars and do what they want to do, you'd have no janitors, you'd have no people to clean out porta potties. Well, exactly, you know. yeah. But I, the only thing I disagree about with that is to say that you can, like the people on Chef's Table, for example. I mean, they are especially when they're starting out, they're poor as shit. Like they're not, yeah. they're not getting all of their other needs met. They don't have, they're not close with their family. They do nothing but work. Like they're not mm-hmm. self-actualized. They're working towards something that gives them lifeblood hmm. or is their lifeblood, I guess. And like, it's just a different, I've only met a few people in real life who are really driven like that. But see, to me, I have children to take care of, you know, like it's not just, it's not just I'm me. I'm not saying you I have mean, to if... be like that. I'm just no, no, no. using it as an example. I know. And I'm just using me as an example. Like, if it were just me and I lived by myself, what could I live on? I could live on a hell of a lot less than I make right now. I could be making just, you know, pennies and sleeping on sofas and, you know, what I mean, whatever, if that was the life I chose for myself in order to pursue a passion, right? Mm -hmm. But I can't because there's many other people that rely on me. And so that's not an option for me. I don't disagree with that. I just think that, and myself is included in this, because my mom always says, you're only as stuck as you allow yourself to be. Specifically in regards to nursing, where there is plenty of opportunity if you can, if you want to be a little creative with the type of space that you're working in. Mm -hmm. And especially as we see people deeply, deeply, deeply unhappy in the role that they're in. Mm -hmm. And we always say, like, just move on and people don't want to. Uh, and it's an oversimplified version of that. For sure. There's many complicating factors. But also you can get an, an equal pain or better job most places in this world. Yeah. That would leave you in a very similar circumstance yeah. in terms of like your shift, your children, where you work, where you live, whatever, but mm-hmm. be a better fit for you or or at least be a change that would help inspire yeah. something in you a little bit. Well, take you, for example. I remember when you were just toying with the idea of moving out of state and just picking up and leaving everything. Yeah, and I had to really think to myself, if you don't want to, that's okay. But why? Like, what's the why? And the only why that I could really come up with, aside from not being as close to my family, which like in 20... Uh, 17 when I when I moved you have all the technology in the world to possibly right. keep you connected so it was less about right. that the only reason would have been fear right and I decided that that wasn't a good enough reason I remember telling you like you're young go do it I know you go do it now before you're rooted yeah you know go you can do anything for a year if you go there and you hate it you can come home there's yeah. nothing stopping you you know and I'm privileged enough in a huge way that like I have friends and family who could bail me out if I got Mm -hmm. in a situation. You know, it's not as simple. Moving is a different thing because, you know, people like just, oh, just move. Okay, well, people can't. That's not a thing. Right. For a wide variety of reasons. But often, especially the audience that we're talking to, nursing jobs are a dime a dozen. And sometimes if you're unhappy, you really are just a better fit somewhere else. Yeah. There is nothing keeping you in an unhappy situation. One of the only perks of nursing is how versatile the degree is. Yeah. You and I both have done probably a dozen jobs that weren't, maybe not a dozen, but a good number of jobs non-bedside or in variations of bedside Mm -hmm, that are not the first job we had. Right. Absolutely. You know, Mm -hmm. this has been not the topic that we started to talk about. (laughs) No, but I did want to tell you one thing, though, totally unrelated to this, but I have to tell you quickly before we get started, because I feel like you're going to be judgy about it, but I'm really Mm -hmm. excited. Okay. So I did something the other day Mm -hmm. that I've been thinking about for a really long time. Okay. And it felt really good to do it. Mm -hmm. I quit my job. No, I'm just kidding. I did not <laughs> no, I went and I got Botox. Oh, okay. So you're literally the third person this week to tell me this. Oh my God. Really? So when I started telling people that I wanted to get Botox, I could not believe how many people were like, I get it. And I was like, you do? I had no idea that so many people got it. It's like not really a big, it's not really a big deal anymore. But let me tell you. So I just got it. Today's day four. And they say it takes three to four days for results to start kicking in. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you get it and you walk out and you're magically fixed. But over the past four days, I've seen like slow improvements. 
I can't believe the difference it made. So it's unreal. What did you have done? I got um, my glabellar done, which is the frown line in between your eyes. So some people call it the 11s. I had a one. And then I got a little bit on my forehead, but she's like, I don't want to do too much because it can cause your eyelids to droop. You don't want that. So um, so she's like, we can always do touch-ups you know, as you, as you want. But the big one, like I went in there and she was like, okay, now make a really mean frown face. So you scrunch everything together so they can see it. And she goes, oh, that's deep. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I was like, well, that's 40 years of frowning. (laughs) My natural state. I know my RBF. (laughs) It's incredible. It's incredible. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to host a Botox party. I want everybody in the world to get this. Like I can't, can't even believe it. it's making me feel better. Well, and that's the thing. So like any of my feelings about it completely aside, ultimately the only question, the only point is, are you happy with it? Do you feel like it's made a difference? Because like I guarantee you that almost no one ever notices really the little subtle things about us, but it's not always, right. that's not what things are. Like it's not for other people. Like we were talking yourself. about when people get yeah. their hair colored, my blonde yeah. friend got her hair dyed slightly blonder and she was like, it's hideous. And she was in a panic. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Bitch, this looks exactly the same as your hair always does. What are you talking about? (laughs) And then she got it redone and paid more money to have it redone. And it still looked exactly the same. And she was like, I'm happy now. It's better. Because we just notice the subtleties of ourselves in a different way. Sure. Well, speaking of my hair, that saga continues. Tell me. Again, everybody, welcome to Nurse Coffee Talk, (laughs) not Personal Beauty (laughs) Session. We will get to a nursing topic in just a moment. Stand by. Stand by. (laughs) So I was recommended to this particular styling location and they were, I was like, what about the stylist? They're like, everybody there is good. And I was like, okay, cool, sweet. So I don't really care who I go to. But you can't call the salon because everybody books their own things. They're all private. Oh, So you have to, like, approach them individually. So I approached this girl and I was like, listen, I need, like, a color guru. I, like, my hairstyle has botched my hair. I feel like I look like Bozo. (laughs) Can you help a sister out? Yada, yada. And she was like, well, I'm booked up through September. But I could squeeze you in today at 2.30, which was not conducive to my schedule. She's like, and for color correction, I charge $125.00 an hour. And based on what you're telling me, we're looking at at least three hours. (gasps) I was appalled. Oh, fuck you. I was like $375. I was like, absolutely not. And then she was really insulted that I was like, $400. Yeah. Well, $375, that doesn't include tip or anything. Correct. That is... (laughs) <laughs> ridiculous like i should like be having extensions a full for nursing that. shift oh, in many places i know WTF. and like i don't want to be one of those people but like really you think your work is worth 125 that's what some of the bougiest most bullshit therapists charge an first of all i was serious i did not say this to her but I was thinking to myself, I make way less than that an hour as a nurse. That's what I'm saying. Saving lives. Like, and really, you, you think, think you wor- you work hard enough to earn $125 25. an hour? And the other thing I thought was, like, that's, like, attorney fees. Yes. That's, like, a retainer. Come on. To keep you out of prison. They deserve exactly. $125 an hour. And even then, I'm like, right. really? Exactly. Oh, my and I'm God. Like, that's no. so insane. I know, right? <sighs> Everybody, rate us in. Is that insane? $125 an hour. Oh, my God. I think, I think there that's are plenty insane. of things. Like, for example, massages, which you know that I love. But massages and hairstyling. Now, these are two things where a lot of the people, they have to pay to have a chair places. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just, you're not just paying their hourly fee. They don't take home all of that. There's other things that go right. into it. Supplies, whatever. Okay, fine. That's any business. But that's any business. The problem is that when you're going to an individual, they don't have a business overhead to cover those expenses. So, like, you really are paying more for the individual, whatever. But, like, mm-hmm. anytime, my mom always says this when she's, um... She's like, when I'm in a cab and just watching the number tick up, tick up, tick up, tick up. And she's like, oh, my God. If I had walked those five feet, it would have saved me 50 cents. Like every (laughs) single part. She's like, I can't stand it. I can't watch it. When I'm getting a massage, I'm like, this minute just cost me a dollar fifty. Like she can't relax. (laughs) That's so funny. And like, honestly, for the sheer volume, I've always had to pay a lot for haircuts. Always. Mm hmm. 
the sheer volume of times I've had haircuts that I wasn't wild about. Yeah. Like, it's not like this is a guarantee you're going to pay $400 and you're like, if I'm not happy with this, you're going to charge me to fix it again. Exactly. If I'm not happy with my massage, you're not giving me my money back. Like, so what? that's, right. it's just strange to me. Is that really privileged and stupid to say? No, I, no, because in a service-based industry like that, you can't get your money back if you're not satisfied. Right. And the service it just is already so not congruent with the way that customer service works. Anyway, we got to get into topic because. I just am appalled uh, by are, that so much. I can't. I know. I, I was it. too. So I had to tell you about it. Oh. Okay, so anyway, so we got to get into topic, and there is, oh God, there was, there's two things I wanted to share with you, not related to topic, but related to nursing. Mm -hmm. I saw this on Facebook. So this was something posted from Indiana University Health. Go Hoosiers. It is a sign. It is, what's that? Go Hoosiers. Are you a Hoosier fan? That's random. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) I never did understand what a Hoosier was. I think but... that's the joke. No no one knows, including, like, the Wikipedia page, it's like, no one knows, including the people from Indiana. They're just called Hoosiers, and it just is what it is. That's so funny. But this is posted, it's a big sign posted on the entry door to the hospital, and it says, please take responsibility for the energy you bring into this space. <laughs> Your words matter. Your behaviors matter. Our patients and our teams matter. Take a slow, deep breath and make sure your energy is in check before entering. Thank you. That can't be hospital sanctioned. Indiana University Health, logos and all. Really? That Mm -hmm. is very, very bizarre to me. Why? And not the concept. I don't disagree with the concept. That's very new agey to put Mm -hmm. the seal on and say to be cognizant of your energy. Well, what's wrong with new agey? I mean, no, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying like for a hospital, I would expect something more about like attitude. I know. But haven't we been talking time and time and time and time again about the fact that we need cultural shifts in healthcare? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like that's part of a huge cultural shift. If that's not just a sign that's not, you know, like, you know how signs get posted and then nothing's supported by higher ups. totally, yeah. But let's assume, I don't know anything about Indiana University, but let's assume that this is something that is supported by higher ups and they're trying to make a cultural shift. I think kudos to them, man, because it's just a, I mean, of course, how many times do you read the signs that you're walking into the door? But if people actually did take a minute, like, yes, we talk about the fact that you really can't separate your personal life from work because you're human, but it is just a moment to be like, okay, look, you're coming in here to do a job. We know that you have other things going on. So just take a deep breath. Well, especially during COVID where it's not, it's it's definitely about personal time, but also we know that you don't want to be here and that you feel insert 50 things here about working during right. COVID. We know that, but you gotta, and you're here and you chose to, to work here. So mm-hmm. like, sorry, like you need to take a second to reflect on that. I mean, and also it's one of those things where your personal response to reading that, if your first response is like, oh my God, F you, like X, Y, and Z. Well, that says all you need to know about the energy that you're bringing in. I mean, that's it right there. Right. Sure. Okay. That's so we very don't really interesting. More. Very interesting. I know. I thought so too. So I wanted to make reference to that. The other thing that I saw was a post and it's a conversation between a husband and a wife. And it says, wife, did I get fat during quarantine? Husband. You weren't really skinny to begin with. Time of death, 11 p.m. Cause, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Reddit page called, Are the Straits Okay? Mm-hmm. That would be a good example for that. <laughs> no, no, they're not. That's so funny. funny. Cause of death, COVID. <laughs> well, getting into this, there's a couple things I want to talk about. Well, stories to share. But our topic today is inappropriate physician comments. And I think that there's a lot that can be said about this. And maybe it spills over into inappropriate nursing comments. But I want to focus more specifically on physicians. So I saw this post. It was on the Facebook page, We Are ER Nurses. That's okay. I'm over here singing the We Are ER Nurses to the farmer song. We are ER. Oh my God. You're such a nerd. (laughs) Okay, 
So this, and I'm going to use her name because I'm going to blast her. Okay, great. I love it. I love the energy already. Good. I'm so glad. It's my Botox coming through. (laughs) All right. So this is Dr. Natasha Kathuria. She's an emergency room physician, which is surprising to me because typically emergency room doctors and nurses have pretty laid back, good relationships. Mm -hmm. I think she was just spouting off at the mouth without thinking, which is the problem. Uh So this is the quote from Dr. Natasha Kathuria, and she's an emergency room physician, and it looks like in Texas. And her quote is, quote, I think right now, though, nursing is our biggest shortage, not physicians. Um, We need the hands. We've got the minds. We just need more hands. Oh, my God. And then somebody wrote, did she just insult all of nursing? Yes, she did. Yes. Yes, she did. Are you freaking kidding me, Natasha Kathuria? And also, we have no shortage lately of people saying things in the same vein. And I'm not really sure why. Maybe it's just because the media has been in a different way about healthcare lately just because of COVID. But like, there was something else recently, which I can't remember off the top of my head the details exactly. But it was some kind of comment like that about basically completely devaluing nursing. And someone was like, really now when we're all here busting our asses during a pandemic when everyone else is at home, really now is Mm -hmm. when you're going to put us on blast like that? Really? Well, and that's exactly exactly what she's saying is you're the you're the hand like i i get in theory what she's saying is like okay one doctor can care for 50 patients if they've got 50 nurses right yes i get i i get what she's saying i understand i think that's what she means by it but the fact that she's like we've got the minds now we need the now we need the servants yeah now we yeah now we need the servants to come in and do the poop stuff i'm just like Wow. And that is the problem with healthcare. Well, that brings up the surgical intern pamphlet that was released from Ohio State University Hospital. Oh, I didn't hear about this. I don't know which. I I think they probably have more than one hospital, so I don't remember offhand exactly which specific entity it was, so someone could fact check mm-hmm. that, I guess. But it was one of the ones associated with OSU, and okay. it had the emblem on the front, but clearly it was very casual language, so it was clearly not written as, like, an official, here's your orientation to be a surgical intern. It was clearly written by a resident or someone who was trying to, like, offer them some advice. Because oh, the, okay. the rest of it was, like, here's who you call for radiology, and, like, oh, this, I is, see. this person's a good contact for this, and... No matter what happens, do not lie. Like, if you don't know the answer to a question, you will get in more trouble if you lie. Simply get comfortable saying that you don't know something, but you'll find out. Like, do not lie, whatever. That was emphasized a few times because, like, obviously we know that that's exactly what happens. Right. Try to fake it till you make it and then you kill people. And then the last one was... Take what the nurses say with a grain of salt. Oh. You may have only been a doctor for five seconds or five minutes, but you're still the doctor. Is that what it says? Yeah. Oh my God. And so then that hospital had to come out after that they were put on blast about it and were like, this is not a hospital sanctioned document and we that's not how we feel and the interdisciplinary team and blah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. But same vein of oh like- Oh my God. Really? So you've been a doctor for five- It was something about don't take the nurse's advice with a grain of salt for what is quote usually done or something like that because you know what the pro because this is a surgical intern so surgeries have kind of concrete protocols and like yeah that used to happen on my floor all the time when the kidneys would come out the fresh kidney transplants we had very very strict protocol and i can count on one hand out of hundreds of the times where we didn't do it the way that it was meant to do it. And then right. I we would just go tell the Moonlighter straight up, like, here's what we're going to do, whether basically yeah. whether you order it or not. So, like, it's been in our best interest if we just clean up these orders. Right. And they would come to us every night and ask what we need ordered. I don't. They're like, I don't know. What do you guys normally do? And we're like, this and this. Yeah. I don't disagree with take any advice with a grain of salt because, like, obviously any person talking to you, you should uh-huh. save your immediate boss who's in control of you. But mm. you may have been a doctor for five minutes, but you're still the doctor. Okay. Okay. Got okay. It. Well, that nurse has been doing this job for 30 years, so fuck yourself. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. But four years of med school and not a moment of experience doing this job, and you think you know everything? Okay. I don't really know what to even say to that. Because you're, that's like the doc who was like, do the orders because I'm the doctor. <laughs> yeah, and you were like, no, I'm not going to do that. And I was like, that. but. 
that's not happening. That's so. not on his goal. So, or like my mom paging the doctor with every single clinical update because he had been a dick about yeah. explaining to her like the importance of eyes and O's or something. She was like, oh, he put out 50 more. Just so you know, I know about the importance mm. of eyes and O's. Oh my God. Dick. <laughs> it's so hard because you, you, it makes me want to make a sweeping generalization that like, I just fucking hate doctors. I know. And like... They're not all like that, but I do feel like there are many that, like, even when I think they're cool, they occasionally pull out that card and they're just like, nope, I'm not going to entertain this right now. Like, I'm the doctor. Yeah. They train each other to be like that. Well, I know, but I mean, I get that. I try and put myself in the other shoes and like, okay, I think the importance is know your audience. So if I'm a doctor, while I'm a doctor... I need to know, am I working with a seasoned nurse that I can trust, mm-hmm. or am I working with a new grad cowboy? Yeah, right. Boy or girl cowboy. Cow yes, person. Cow person. We'll call him a cow person. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't have the same kind of ring, but... No. <laughs> <laughs> is it like a centaur with, like, the body of a cow? Yes. That's exactly what the nurse is. <laughs> the cow person centaur. Yes. I want to draw that. <laughs> with, like, her 20-gauge IV in hand. <laughs> A stethoscope around her. A doctor's stethoscope around her. A doctor's stethoscope. Oh, my God. You know what's so funny? I was... Oh, my gosh. I was sitting at a desk the other day at the nurse's station. I shouldn't call it a desk. I should call it a station. A workstation. Anyway. And somebody had left... Uh, one of like the isolation stethoscopes on the area. It was like in the box still. Sure. But I sat down and I noticed the box said nurses stethoscope. Oh. That's what the box said. And I was like, really? Does that need to be defined there? Like, just say stethoscope. These boxes are for nurses. And these boxes, these are, boxes for are for nurses. And they're pink. And these boxes are for doctors. And they're blue. black. Wait, what color did you just say? I said blue. Oh, I said Because nurses are girls and doctors are boys, don't you know? Oh my gosh. There's a lot of really, really outdated shit that goes on in healthcare. So much. And one of the bigger ones, I mean, and, and that's true anywhere, obviously. But like, nursing is a tricky one because it was, a, it's, was and is a... D- predominantly female field mm-hmm. and that's i mean we don't have to go into all that because you all know what i'm saying like the the nuances of that are pervasive across so much of what we do of in course healthcare. yeah as evidenced by this what was the doctor's name dr natasha katharia and and like i don't disagree with you i'm sure it was just a thoughtless thing but the first thought you have is how you truly feel in a lot of ways and then yeah. the second one that you correct yourself hopefully before you've spoken out loud is Mm -hmm. what you've learned and improved in your mind. You know, like you might have a gut Mm -hmm. reaction to something that's based deep in your id and then mm-hmm. or is it ego i don't know i don't remember what the, what they are i have anymore. no idea <laughs> we talked about maslow it's been a long time since i had that conversation it but then ego, right? you know you yeah. hope that the second thought is the one that you've corrected yourself with your new learned information and all these different things to be a better person right so that's like some deep-seated bullshit that she's got going on that yeah. like she's been told and i'd be interested in med school what they say about it no one's ever told me specifically probably because they're not going to tell a nurse that at med because you're a nurse right that they're like tell you not to respect nurses is that what goes on in med school i don't know because i've heard other people say that like the first thing they learned was you better take care of your nurses well the first thing we learn is you have just as much as a responsibility to your patient as the doctor mm-hmm. and no matter what regardless of whether or not you think you're protected under a doctor's order ultimately if you've done something administered something whatever it may be that's still you that's responsible for that and like that's why you need to know your shit and to take it seriously Mm -hmm. well two things that i need to say in response the first one is i was actually just listening to a podcast on my drive home today and they were talking about a social issue but it applies here in that they were saying advice they had been given in their leadership career was ignore the first thing that pops into your head. Mm-hmm. Just ignore that. Mm-hmm. And then go ahead and listen to the second thing that pops into your head. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like your gut visceral reaction isn't always how you feel. And I know that even like with my husband, like a lot of times if we're arguing about something, I mean, the first thing that pops in my head can really get me into trouble. Yes. But often like if, 
if we're not together and we're like fighting via text or something, I don't usually have time to text and fire right back because I'm usually at work if I'm not with him. So, Mm -hmm. so often it'll be like, he makes a comment and then I got to go think about that comment while I'm taking care of my patient. And then I'm just like, I feel differently, you know, an hour later about it. Like he'll ask to want to do something and I'll be like, we can't spend money. And then I'm just like, oh, but he hasn't really done anything. You know, it's just, it's just so funny. No, it is funny. And that's a good way to think about it of like, maybe not everyone is like you and me, but like my gut reaction about any kind of annoyance and stuff is to be really nasty. And then... And judgmental and whatever. And I have to be like, not everything you think needs to be said out loud because you're Mm -hmm. a goddamn adult and you can hold on to this thought for a minute and then just pause for a minute. And my dad had always said that to me, like from a young age, he's like, you are really quick and it's not always in your best interest to be so. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely like, right. That's a harsh reality that has been true a it lot. It is. And I'm in that, I'm in definitely in that category too. Cause my, often my mind is going way faster than my mouth. Totally. And that's part of the reason it's hard for me to have like a real conversation with people is because it makes it very difficult to be a good listener mm-hmm. because my brain is just going. And like, for example, I said, I have two things to tell you. I can't remember what the second thing was <laughs> I know, because I, I didn't you. say I'm it. So sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. It's totally fine. I mean, it's, that's something that a, a challenge I'm learning. Like I really need to keep a notepad with me so that when I have a thought, I can jot it down because what happens to me is I want to say it out loud so I don't forget it, but then the other person feels really interrupted. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a really delicate balancing act because I either forget what I'm going to say or I interrupt the other person and neither one is good. And I think too, as a nurse, we have to keep a lot of moving things in our head straight mm. at once. And I'm picturing this like, giant web that you've like very carefully got it in the right order and it's like I want to listen to what the patient is saying but often what they're saying is like the 53rd time they've told me the same thing and it's about Mm -hmm. their dinner and it has nothing to do with what we're talking about right now and like I have to go do other shit before I forget to do all the stuff that I have to do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I can see why a general perception from a lot of patients is like the nurses and doctors are rushed and don't want to talk to me and want to be in and out of the room so fast it's like Because we're busy, man. I'm so sorry. But like... I hate to say it, but we're not there to be your friend. And I did remember the other thing I was going to say. So I'm going to say that. And then we got to move on because I want to get to... There's two things I I got to get to. Okay. Okay. And we've only talked about a couple of inappropriate physician things. And that's the topic. And we got to stay focused. (laughs) Okay. Okay. The other thing is... So this was a couple of weeks ago. I was working with a female physician. And you know, uh, if a male nurse walks into a room, they're the doctor. Yeah. If a female doctor walks into the room, they're the nurse. That's the stereotype, right? Yeah. So we go into the room, especially with older patients, younger patients, not so much, but older patients. We go into a room and there's this old guy and the doctor has been in the room like three or four times. And so me and the doctor are both in there and she's talking to the patient. He's like, I want to know when I'm going to see my doctor. And she's like, sir, I have been in, this is the fourth time I've been in your room to talk to you. And he's like, are you the doctor? And she's like, yes, sir. And this is the fourth time I've been in the room to talk to you. And he's like, oh, I thought you were a nurse. And she's like, yes, because I'm female. You just assumed I was the nurse. Oh, she said that. Yeah, she did. Oh, I love that. I know. I did too. And I was like, good for you. Good for you. Good for you. Well, and that's, you know, there's kind of a nasty stereotype out there about female doctors having to be meaner to claw their way up to the top or whatever. But it's not an unfair reasoning. No, it's not. It's just not. In the same way that male nurses sometimes have to act in a certain way to not have there be all the, you know, the whatever stereotypes that they, they have thrust upon them as well. Yeah. Did he say, did the patient say anything? Probably not. No, he was like, yeah. they don't care. Okay. I have two stories I want to tell you. And I am really bothered by this. And honestly, I'm not in the situations anymore. So there's nothing that I can do to change it. But I did not say anything in the moment. And that's on one hand, regrettable to me. And on the other hand, I feel like I would have been putting a target on myself by saying something. Mm -hmm. So the first situation was um, I was on a contract job and there was a physician who had slept with multiple nurses in the department. Sure. Yeah. But he was so sexually inappropriate 
verbally at the nurse's station all the time and would talk about having a nurse give him a blowjob under the desk. Oh my God. And they, I mean, super sexually inappropriate. You can be that raunchy with a very, very select number of close friends. All the other nurses would be like, oh my God, and like laugh and like, that's gross. But but they would like laugh and kind of egg him on. And I felt really uncomfortable. Yeah. Because honestly, this is a professional environment. I mean, as inappropriate as we are sometimes. And oh, gosh, I, my brain is all over the place on this, you guys. But like, I know that there's a level of inappropriateness amongst healthcare workers, particularly ER people. ER people have their own sense of humor. I get that. But like, there is a line between telling, there's a line between making a lighthearted sexual joke and talking about having a nurse give you a blowjob under the desk. Well, that's exactly correct. Like, regardless of sense of humor, or first of all, first of all, regardless of anything else, read the room and know your audience. If he read the room, those nurses were laughing right along with him. You weren't. I wasn't, you know, but so I also you, didn't stand up and say anything either. No, and I mean, I, again, I understand I'm, why you didn't. I, you know, I'm agency. I'm in there. But his, for a short his sense of, of power has mm-hmm. led him to believe that regardless of who's in the room, including you, a person he doesn't know very, mm-hmm. if, if very well, if he knows you at all, mm-hmm. he feels so powerful in what he's doing that wouldn't have stopped him anyway. And I remember my dad, and I keep bringing it back to my parents, but they're a wealth of knowledge, guys. I promise it's worth it. My dad told me, they joke about this all the time. He said, you know, the man is making jokes and has the room laughing and everyone's whatever. And then you walk out of the room and then all the women turn to each other and go, what an asshole. Mm-hmm. And he said, it took me till I was over 50 to understand that. The shit that we think is funny and charming and winning everybody over and we have all the girls laughing and you think you're hot shit. And then you leave the room and they all turn to each other and roll their eyes and hate you. And like... Maybe that's old fashioned, but it's not because here we are. And like whether the I I guarantee you that all those nurses who were laughing and egging him on, I guarantee you some of them felt uncomfortable and didn't know how to say it. Well, I felt uncomfortable and didn't know how to say it. And I'm a pretty outspoken person. Yeah. I mean, I've been in those situations for sure. And you kind of look at other people like, am I the only one feeling this way? Am I being approved? Like, what's my problem exactly? And like, why is it okay when somebody, like some other person who I'm close with might make a joke and I have no problem with it. But when it's someone like that, I do. And like people like that will continue to push the line because he gets off on saying that kind of shit. Yeah. So what is the right way to handle that? Because... If you say something, then you become a target. And we've already identified that physicians bring in money. And when there's a problem and you report it, physicians get slapped on the wrist. Yeah. They don't get fired. Yeah. Well, see, he was like a big deal, like an attending. Yeah. Yeah. But, okay, so then I'm going to roll this into another story, which is the same type of thing, but it's a, it's a facility in which I'm a permanent employee And there's a doctor and he is, he's a lovable guy. He's a nice guy. Okay. And he's. Does he use his lovability for evil? No, I wouldn't say that, but. I just know people who are like that. They get away with saying whatever they want because they've got that kind of jolly demeanor. Well, maybe in that regard, he gets away with saying whatever he wants. But again, you know, most of your audience in a nurse's station, most of your audience is females. But. This guy, he frequents strip clubs all the time. And he talks about how he takes other doctors to strip clubs. And he talks about the best strip clubs, the worst strip clubs, and stories about strip clubs. I'm so fucking tired of men. I just can't even breathe. But again, the other nurses that are there are, like, engaging the conversation. I feel really uncomfortable by it. Now, I don't think they're fake laughing because they're actually talking to him about, like, they'll talk to him about it. I have engaged in conversation even when I've been uncomfortable because I didn't know what else to do. Okay, well, let's pretend that all the other nurses are comfortable with it Mm -hmm. and they're engaging him. I feel uncomfortable about it. Mm -hmm. What do I do? How do I... I really genuinely don't know what to do. And there's not many times where I'm a lo- at a loss for what to do. But I feel like it makes me feel really un- like I don't want to hear you talk about strip clubs. Like I'm at work. At the same time, I'll be talking to you about a gross vaginal exam. 
Yeah. So it's a very weird, weird dynamic. So here's the thing. And we talked about this when it's sort of the height of the Me Too stuff, Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. Which has disappeared amongst Corona amongst and others. Else, I know. Mm-hmm. There are clear lines at work where things get can get gray, not about consent, and I don't mean that, but about harassment and things like that, is when people are in more social situations. And that's when people have a disconnect from, you know, one what one person is uncomfortable with, another person's okay with, and how do you navigate it? Whatever. That's a, mm-hmm. a personal thing. That's a dating life thing. That's a bar mm-hmm. life thing. At mm-hmm. work, ultimately, there are very clear boundaries. And we push them in medicine and healthcare. I think both in the nature of the work and also in, excuse me, as a coping mechanism. But I mean, this, I don't have an answer to your question, obviously, of what do you do? But I do know that when people go unchecked, whether regardless of whether they get punished by their boss or not, and whether they hate you or not, I mean, I just feel like it's it's really hard to say don't do anything. That doesn't feel like the right answer. But also, I get why you wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to either. Right. But I mean, that's the whole premise of why the Me Too movement got started, because so many women yes. didn't say anything. That's what I'm saying. And then they all had to yeah. come together and be like, are you having this happen too? Because I am. And um, there's actually a new documentary on Netflix about the United States Olympic gymnastic like team. Yeah, Athlete A. Athlete A, yes. I saw it. I watched it. I haven't mm-hmm. watched it yet, but I can't. I'm looking forward to watching it. I'm really interested to sort of see how they portray it. But same kind of thing. It's of, like, really, really, really sad because really sad. they demonstrate in there time and time again how money yeah. and status override everything else the safety of the gymnasts young girls as young as like 11 or 13 i mean it's disgusting it is disgusting it's disgusting and it's not only men obviously that are perpetrators of this kind of thing but for the purposes of this conversation that is what we're talking about right i'm just so sick of it it's just exhausting to me and the fact that you have to feel like you're in a moral, di- like you are in a moral dilemma of what to do and say when they're the ones being morally repugnant. How is that fair? Yeah, it's not fair at all. But I feel, you know, I feel this pressure. I mean, I just to put everything out there equally and honestly, I feel a pressure to kind of like submit to the conversation because all the women around me are engaging the conversation. Sure. And their friends, well, I don't want to say friends, but like they're friendly with the doctor and the charge nurse is sitting there engaging in it. And it's just like. And the chief stands alone having to say, uh, doctor, I have no interest in hearing about your nefarious strip club experiences. Can you maybe right. keep that to yourself and talk about it over drinks with the boys? Like, or with your, with whoever, it doesn't have to even be the boys. Right. Why do I have to, I'm for, I'm, I'm working. I'm forced to sit here. Right. And you have a captive audience because you walked into a room where we're all working. Like, that's a yeah. power play. It's bullshit. And they're testing to see how far they can push. But also, I feel peer pressure from the people around me to either... Uh, I have three choices, right? I can engage in the conversation as well, which I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. I can sit there and be quiet, which is what I did. Mm-hmm. Or I can intervene and say, I don't feel comfortable with this. Yeah. But if I do that, which in a normal situation, if I was like one-on-one and somebody made it, first of all, if I'm one-on-one, I might be joking with somebody like that because we ha- obviously have a closer relationship if I'm one-on-one and that's a different situation. And if it's someone that you're one-on-one with and you don't have that kind of relationship, then it's e- much easier to say like, nah, I'm not. Nah, right. And no that's, and that if I was one-on-one, I would be like, dude, not cool. I don't want to hear about that shit. Yeah. But I'm in a work situation where if I speak up in the moment, I genuinely risk being ostracized by the entire group. Yeah. Oh, you can't say anything around her. She's a prude, blah, 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 whatever yeah. people say, which is like such a useless energy. It's a really uncomfortable, tricky situation. And I cannot imagine that I'm alone and feeling this way. I mean, I guess one of the other choices is to ask the nurses, the other nurses when he's not around, like whether it's one-on-one or not, are you all totally cool with the way that he's speaking? And if they say yes, then okay, you've given them a platform, whatever. And then, I mean, but it's, and it's hard when people are like that. This is probably not a guy who's going to receive one-on-one feedback that he made someone uncomfortable. He clearly doesn't care about that. He's coming in, going off above low jobs. Like, well, that's the other guy, but. 
well, whichever. Yeah. The, but that's the thing is if I were to approach the girls one-on-one and be like, are you cool with this? And even if they say yes, if I were to report that, then they know exactly who it came from. Even if I report it anonymously, they're like, oh, well, she was asking about it. It's just such a shitty situation to be in. I mean, honestly, I I do feel that the right thing to do probably is report it. Yeah. And everyone has a different bar for what their level is. But again, regardless of the bar, because like, I obviously know you personally, you have a high bar. Mm Mm-hmm. Of inappropriate comments to make. That's, Mm -hmm. you're not a prude. You're not squeamish like that. So, Mm -hmm. like, this clearly is a different, you know, to anyone who's listening who doesn't know us, like, this this is, we're not, you're not talking to two people that are afraid of their own shadow. Like, that is not, it's not a thing. I taught my friend how to give a blowjob at work one time, like, (laughs) using the stuff that we had around the, the, um, med room. But, (laughs) but to, to have it go entirely unchecked, because that's something that they have to address. And, I mean, unfortunately, whenever you rely on leadership to be a part of something, you yeah. can't guarantee, especially with old boys club bullshit yep. of just like, hey, like, just tone it down a little, okay? But, like, I guess what I, what I was trying to say, I talked myself out of my own point, which is regardless of the bar that you have at work, the bar is at zero. Even yeah. if I exist at 75, I'm yeah. making an arbitrary scale of 100. Sure. <laughs> that was <laughs> completely, scale. that was pulled out of nowhere. Um, we can make it out of 10. Say you live at an eight <laughs> and, right. and he wants to be at a 10. Well, whatever, yeah. nine. At work, the bar is zero. It's not negotiable. It just is. So, yeah, I don't know. Imagine if a patient heard that. Can you imagine? That's not a reality because even the things that nurses alone say at the nurse's station that are super inappropriate. I mean, wildly inappropriate. Yeah, absolutely. So the bar should be zero. But it's not. No, it's not. I don't know. All right. Well, listen, we got to get going because I got to go to work. Okay. Oh, my God. All right. Well, you guys feel free to write us in about your thoughts on this. Yes. I would love to hear what people's examples where the because I have. Yeah. And we can revisit this when we have more time another day. But I've got examples, too. So like. Oh, okay. This is a conversation that can keep going. And like, what have you done and what has been the result? Like, I would love to hear what people have said. Do you speak up for yourself? Did you have results having a one on one conversation? like what mm-hmm. what do people recommend is it better to yeah. stay silent is that that's toxic well, no it's, it's not, not better to stay silent we can't perpetuate the silence of women no, or men can't. whoever is feeling whoever. uncomfortable yeah but in this case it's a male female dynamic that he set up intentionally we cannot perpetuate the silence but how do you navigate these waters like mm-hmm. even i jamie baker don't have an answer. And that's rare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an expert in my own opinion. Exactly. Oh, I need a t-shirt that says that. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let us know if you have these stories. Post them on our Insta. Or if you want to be more private about it, that's totally fine. You can email us at Gmail or excuse me, email us at nursecoffeetalk at gmail.com. If you want more privacy, we never reveal your names, only your first initial. We would be happy to share these stories. The other thing, we're still asking for stories. We are still taking your favorite nursing stories for our anniversary episode and the reasons you became a nurse. Uh, We want to do an episode about that. So if you can write us in on that, we'd appreciate it. Uh, You can always leave comments on our Instagram at nursecoffeetalk. Like us, subscribe us, share us with your friends. We love you. We appreciate you. And we can't wait to talk to you again next week. Bye. Bye.